0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is where we talk about life after the offer letter. As you may know, we are knee deep into a series all about entrepreneurship, and in the second episode of the series, I am speaking with Jamie and Margaret of J Lowry, a lifestyle brand. In today's episode, we get into the nitty gritty of motherhood, specifically during a pandemic and while an entrepreneur, how they cultivated grace and empathy to be the founding principles of their business and so much more. A little bit about the team before we get started. Jamie and Margaret are the co-founders of a Southern-based luxury handbag line, Jay Lowry. The two who are lifelong friends took their passions for style and fashion to create meaningful accessories for the people who inspire and influence them each day. The two founders, neither of whom have design experience, built their business and products by doing and learning. The collaborative duo are not only running a business and designing new collections, they are both Currently, mothers. So excited. Hope you stick around. Let's get into this episode.
1: You know, we started in 2019 when the two of us were looking for a handbag that we couldn't really find on the market, something that was distinguishable, uh, edgy, timeless, one that was also functional and then also affordable, which was, you know, one of the main things I think, you know, we all aspire to have you know, the uh heritage brand handbags in our closet, but sometimes it doesn't work with what's in your bank account. So um Jamie and I started sketching in twenty nineteen, flew off to New York, and um, you know, the rest is kind of history. We wanted to there's so many inspiring women in the South. And I think we realized there were few contemporary brands based in the Southeast region that we felt that represented those women and we wanted to, you know, create that here. So uh, that's kind of the gist of the two of us, how we got started, and, you know, a little bit about, you know, why we're doing what we're doing.
0: I love that story. And I didn't quite realize just how you guys are, like, thick, like thicker than sisters, like, closer than sisters, I almost feel. And uh, with that said, like, who approaches who when it comes to the brand? Or is it like, oh, we were drinking wine one night, and we both had the idea at the same time? Like, who approached you for the brand? i can probably well i mean margaret
2: definitely (laughs) approached me i think um but we did it came it came from a place of i mean just love and friendship really we um margaret had just moved and was in between jobs and was starting to look for um she had an amazing job with a, a social media branding company in atlanta and um moved with her husband's new job to Birmingham. And when she got there, she just wasn't really finding her spot in Birmingham the same way and to the same level that she had in Atlanta. And so it really started just with uh, friendly phone calls. Like I was like, well, why don't you try your own thing? And I mean, you have the experience and you've just been, you know, you've been running this department by yourself. And you've essentially been running a business within a business. Like, why, why can't you do it? And um, I think she called me back like the next day or something and was like, I will if you do it with me. And I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a job at that point. I was a marketing director at a, a small business here in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, yeah, so when Margaret called me, I mean, it took me all of like five seconds to answer and I put in my notice and um, we were off to New York literally two weeks. Like what's my two weeks was up Um, and just, yeah, it started like that. But Margaret, I guess, technically approached me, but I think it was one of those things that you just you have I was waiting for that question for a long time, you know, and you mm-hmm. just don't even know until you actually get it that that is exactly what I
0: I wanted to do, and this was my opportunity, and this was our window to jump through. I love that. In fact, I know later on I want to talk about like leap leap of faiths and timing and grace. So it it's interesting that those themes have always been a part of your story. And speaking of the story online, it says you know you all are. On a mission to build, uh, by building a culture rather than building solely on a product, our brand's core is not about the bags themselves, but the women who carry them. And I really do appreciate that you and a lot of other brands are thinking more about the women who already exist rather than perpetuate the like one size fits all aspirational model um, that I know I grew up with and I'm sure you guys did as did too. Um, so what inspired you to take on a different approach when it came to product conception and when you are trying to look through this lens? Without you know spilling any of your secret sauce, like how does it how does it come? Like for example, I love the ostr- ostrich bag that you have for pre sale. So like, wh- how does that come about? And who are you thinking of when you're designing that bag? Um, I think
2: first off, we love this question. Like we're really obsessed with it. We love that you pulled that and put it in that light because I think it kind of hits it on the head um, for us. Like we from day one um, Margaret and I were truly creating things for real women that we were seeing in everyday life. I mean, it just, it couldn't have been more humble in its beginning. Um, you know, when, when we say that we wanted to just start a brand, we had, we had a lot of mixed feelings. We're like, we don't want people to think we just up and did this thing and thought we could do it. But we really did have so many women around us that were so inspirational and, they were the inspiration. Um, so, I mean, these are the moms that, you know, like the moms I'm seeing in the carpool line and, you know, our friends who are nurses and teachers and, you know, I mean, just every different spectrum of life, but of real life. Um, and I think, you know, it, it might sound strange to say, but I think in our case, this is where our lack of formal design training kind of came into play and was actually, um, a blessing in disguise for us because, we don't feel, you know, these immense pressures to like follow trend reports that are like being posted like three years ahead or like we're not trying to, you know, like we're not having the next big thing or the next big like fabric or texture or use those things. Um, So I think it, it really became like a strength for us in that we could focus literally on people that were in real life. How are they using these bags? How are they most functional? How are they fitting into their closet and fitting into... I mean, we put a lot of emphasis on day to night and like, can she wear this multiple ways? Can she yeah, take one strap, like take the crossbody strap off and carry it by the top handle and it's dressy and it can go to a wedding now? And it was just, you know, running errands. So um, I think, you know, when thinking about who we were doing it for, um it it really hasn't evolved much because we started at such a specific place. We were like it's the people right in front of us. That's that's who we're making these things for and um we're not, you know, we're not trying to make them for aspirational models which would, that'd be awesome. Um but you know, we're we're not trying to, you know, make them for someone who is, you know, kind of a
0: cookie cutter. It's for the everyday woman. Exactly. In fact, um last season I had on they're also best friends, turned business partners, power women. And they their their sort of like niche, if you will, is you know, corporate blazers, but with pockets. Cause like you know us girls, we like if it has pockets, it's we are now obsessed. And it was so interesting because they both were working in sales beforehand and they didn't go to design school. But they shared really similar sentiments of they, you know, one is a working mom, one isn't, but they both understood uh, the problems they faced with having to look a certain way at work, but not having the functionality of the everyday woman. So it's really beautiful to hear how what others could perceive as a blind spot can really be your superpower. And I think that goes across industries and parts of life. Yeah.
2: No doubt. I mean, like, look at obviously, like, the I mean, Spanx has been all over the news right now, but like, look at the origin of her story, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, that's like a perfect example. It was out of necessity. And so, not comparing us to Spanks. But, um. <laughs> <Okay.
0: laughs> but I mean, yes.
2: I think, you know, women just by nature, we wear so many different hats. We have to be so incredibly nimble in everyday life. So, that's that is the type of thing that Margaret and I think about when we design things is we want to make ensure first, obviously design is so important, but it goes, it bleeds into the textures that we choose, the colors that we choose. Um, You know, everything is going to be where you can wear it more than one way. You can wear it across seasons. Like we want you to get all the wear out of um, every design that we make and want it to truly complement and fit into your life seamlessly the way
0: that it is. I love it. And, you know, as a consumer, I still flirt with the line of authenticity and aspiration. I want to be myself, which my style is very comfy, casual, cute. But I also want to look like a more evolved version of myself. I just turned 30. um, So I'm trying to upgrade my everyday wardrobe. Um, But rather than looking in, I do still find myself looking around asking, like, what's cool? And at its healthiest, I'm able to experiment and, you know, play dress up. And, um, like, Jamie, you have on ruffles, and I've been more into, like, the ruffly puffy sleeves. Um, but at its worst, I still think I could be sending myself the message of just look and see what she's doing and copy that. Um, and I think that could really be a metaphor for career paths and life paths. Like it would have been almost natural for you all to look at um, maybe your favorite hand designer and or handbag designer and be like, well, they went to fit them. So we need to enroll in fitum tomorrow. So when building a brand, how do you, if you're even able to articulate it, how do you stay healthy, sane, and fulfilled when part of your business is to study the competition and offer something new? I mean, that's such a good, I mean, it's such a good question. And
1: especially to like you saying that at the end about us not being handbag designers, but feeling that there's a certain path that you take. Mm -hmm. Of course, we already feel like imposters in the very beginning. And then we've never even started a business. So you're like, you you constantly are looking to other businesses like, okay, well, they started around the same time we did and they seem like they're so much further ahead or they're doing this. Could that work for us? It's, I think comparison is, it's so hard not to do because of what we're exposed to via social media. And um, it's something that Jamie and I talk about all the time just because you can't, you kind of do yourself a disservice when you're comparing what. You've done to someone else because when you take what you've done, like if you look at where we've come from, from where we've started, we've done so much in our short amount of time. So you want to, you know, applaud yourself for that, but then also. Think in terms of the future, like how are we going to continue
0: to keep the ball rolling? What do we do? How do we keep ideas new and fresh? I think I needed to hear that. And so I I know it will resonate with so many listeners, but I don't think I've even had the thought before of, oh, there could be people looking at me. And I would want to say, honey, I am a sitting duck. Okay. Like it's just like pedaling beneath the water. But that's a really healthy way to remind yourself. And uh, when it comes to self care, do you ladies have any favorite rituals or go to's if you are just having one of those days where you're like, "Ugh, I'm comparing myself to Louis Vuitton again," you know, whoever it may be.
2: <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, grab a friend. Um, like that's my advice. Like grab somebody and like be like, "You got a sec?" Like can I yes. Buy you a coffee. Because um, oh. I mean, it's gonna happen. Like. It, you just can't live in this day and age and not be hit with a comparison monster. Like, I mean, it just everything is yelling at you. You Instagram everything. I mean, social social media alone, it you're going to compare yourself to someone else. It's just impossible to avoid. It's all in how you handle it, obviously, and um, how you're how you're able to almost build filters for it, um, I guess, in in some way. But uh, yeah, I would say, <laughs> Margaret and I just. That's the great thing about a duo is when I'm having a really terrible day, like she might be having a day where she's crushing and she's like, you know what? It's fine. Like we're doing, we're doing what we needed to do. And this is, it's all working out and look at how far we've come. And, you know, those, those reminders, we, we both have to, I mean, it's very easy, especially both. Being moms and new moms, and uh, it's hard to stop and, you know, reflect and remind yourself, like, look at what we've done. Like, look at how far we've yeah. come. But um, it, it, you, you have to. You have to stop and relish and remind yourself that of those initial goals that you set, um, why you're doing what you're doing. And if you can focus on those things, it's easier to drown out all the other Noise, because it is yeah,
0: just noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you touched on something really important, which is being a mother, so listeners know i you know I don't have any children, but a lot of I'm in that phase where uh, I'm seeing my friends become mothers, and I'm seeing that evolution right before my eyes, and you know, I remember uh during my first like big girl internship, my mentor said to me that she felt conflicted, you know, do I become an executive or or do I become a mom? And at this point, I'm like 22, fresh out of college. And I was really taken aback. And over the course of that internship, it was an ongoing conversation because I really wasn't aware uh, of the pressure that women felt that they had to choose. Fast forward years later, I noticed when a woman was pregnant at work, comments would be like, oh, she won't be back after the baby would pop up. And obviously over the years, I've really seen and experienced that pressure to choose um, and to think that you can only choose one. Um, But I do see that we're in the midst of this third wave of feminism. And as a society, do you think as mothers yourselves, do you think we're evolving and or have made significant strides in making women and expanded family focused couples not feel the pressure to choose between family and career? I mean,
1: we talk about this all the time, especially cause I had never experienced it. Um, as far as having a baby and running a business, um, it's, it's just, it's hard, especially to all the things that your body goes through, everything you deal with psych, like, like psychologically, all of it. Um, uh, it's kind of funny that you brought this question up in the midst of like a national conversation of paid leave. Cause I feel like I've been seeing it literally everywhere in the past couple days. Um, I, it really is something you do not know or understand until you go through it. And like Jamie said, William was here from the very beginning and I could relate as much as I could, as far as no, like knowing that I would one day be a mother and I would want that same patience and, you know, lent to me, which, you know, it, and again, it, it's very hard to do. Like I watched Jamie, like she could not come to me, she could come to me, but she couldn't or maybe felt like I couldn't understand yet, but when you have, you finally have that child, and you understand what women go through. I think it's, it it's it's not fair that um, that we would have to choose between one or the other. I think Jamie and I, from the beginning, have wanted our business to work for our lives and our lifestyles. Um, and part of that is, you know, when we have employees one day, we want to be able to provide them with a, a place of work that they wouldn't have to choose either. I mean um, I think we are progressing again with having that national conversation around it. Um, but it, it, there's still, you know, a lot to be done. I, I really do not know how only years ago that people like the husbands weren't as, not to say husbands weren't as supportive, but you know, they couldn't work from home and they had, you know, they left immediately after the wife had the child and, and I don't know, it just, it seems incredibly insane that you'd have to do it on your own or to choose between the two. Um,
0: absolutely. And, and even like my, my friends, um, who did choose to leave or go down to part-time after having a baby, I was very quickly educated on the costs that go into childcare and that, you know, it's, it really is, um, Moms are warriors. We when we were dealing with a family emergency a few weeks ago, I was with family, obviously. And what moms can get done during a nap time, <laughs> like, is when you know you don't have enough time. That's yeah. when you like
1: you you can conquer the world. Truly. Oh
0: no! I, like I was seeing her name is Jess. I was like, oh my god, she like she's she's literally cramming like an 8-hour day into 3 hours cuz you know that's what she's got and you know you both really touched on mom guilt and if there was one answer uh not only would you write like your next million dollar book but you would probably not have the the battle of balance but um over the the course of motherhood have you found any remedies to to alleviate or reduce that feeling of mom guilt that is what I imagine inevitable when when raising a family. I think well, Jamie
1: has experienced this longer than I have, but I think a lot of the conversation because it's come up so much between the two of us, and then, you know, now I've I'm starting to experience it. I think we've realized that there's no such thing as a balance. I think it's all about boundaries. Um Wanting to make sure that we're able to be present where we are in that moment. So if, you know, like you're saying, if you have that nap time and we're at home that day, which we do work from home, you know, you want to be able to focus and pay attention to what you need to get done at that moment. Um, Again, tapping into wanting to build a business that works with our lifestyle. Um, We just want, we don't want to feel like we're slaves to this business. It's, we started it to, yes, to have financial freedom and, you know, freedom of, Time and you know our, build our own schedules, but you know we we don't want it to ever become something that we're dreading. So like, how do we make sure that with our families, you know we're able to keep that balance or those boundaries in place? You know, you've got to be fair to yourself. Um, and then there are times like right now where I'm child care fell through and I'm bouncing him while I'm my child while I'm talking to y'all. Um, and of course, you just have to embrace those moments and those things happen. But. Um, I think part of it is trying to make sure we're keeping those boundaries intact and, you know, for each other too. We got to be fair to ourselves and one another and our families and our business.
0: I need that to be an Instagram quote because I swear to God, I am like this close to getting that tattooed on my forearm. There's no such thing as balance, but it's about boundaries. And it's something I've been working on in therapy hardcore this year because I didn't really realize I had no boundaries in any sense of my life. So, thank you for sharing that and bestowing that wisdom and as we we've, we've obviously just talked about being a parent is hard you know anytime but i can't imagine particularly being a parent during the pandemic um, there's a lot of important conversations going on, very hard conversations going on. Um, And I think we're just so quick to shame and finger wag, but I truly believe every parent is doing their best with the best information they have that day. Um, And the two words that always come to me are grace and empathy. So between business, parenthood, life, tell me how has your relationship to grace and empathy evolved and what role does it play in your business today? I think that humility and going at things at a
2: humble, like with a humble perspective, I hope that everyone continues that way because for us, it's something that we have like, it's now concrete in our business. Like, go at everything with a humble perspective and just know that there's no easy fix, there's no quick fix to anything. Everything takes time. And I mean, we, you know, Five days out of the week, we're going to go at things with an empathetic and gracious and humbled perspective, because that's how you can see most clearly what's best for you personally.
0: And that's how you can see most clearly what's best for your company as well. If you're comfortable sharing, feel free to say pass. Um, what healthy growing pains or lessons have you learned building a business with a friend? I'll think about, I mean,
2: I think about one um, really quickly. I think so right when we started, we kind of divvied up task or, you know, daily things just as they came. Like we we're like, do you want to take this and you take this? And it's not that we weren't, we were so worried about stepping on each other's toes. And like, again, like I know Margaret could crush everything if I gave it to her, you know, and she same, like she knows that I, she knows I could do everything if, you know, we didn't want to divide things up, but we weren't taking the time to stop, acknowledge each other's strengths and weaknesses and say, OK, look, like, what do you actually want to do within this company? And then so I feel like that was a mis- it wasn't a mistake, but that was something that we did in the beginning that we would kind of get we would either end up running ourselves kind of ragged or we would just we'd have to stop and be like, OK, wait, what's going on? Like, do you want to take this now or do you want me to take it? when we clearly defined kind of our roles within the company and we settled into those positions, like Margaret does more of, um, she focuses really on our sourcing, our manufacturing, our, um, like all of our vendor relations. And then I kind of head up more of like the marketing and, um, the front facing things, I guess. Um, and once we kind of split those roles and now we realize we're like, Oh my gosh, what number one, just from an efficiency standpoint, why did we not do this in the beginning? (laughs) Mainly that like, we're like, wow, we're going to get a lot more done this way. Um, but also, I mean, it just makes it a lot more like Margaret can come in and especially, I mean, I'll just take from my side in particular with the marketing things, I'll, you know, pitch something to her and then she'll pitch something back to me that's like 30 times better than what I just said. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. It's because it's a fresh perspective. It's fresh. You know, I've been looking at it for weeks and she, you know, just looked, you know, is thinking about it for the first time. I love that.
1: And what about you, Margaret? What like what lessons did you learn? Um, I think which we're kind of experiencing this now, especially adding on as our business is growing and so are our families. Um We just brought on our first intern this fall and she's kind of been the constant. I mean, obviously Jamie and I are always hands on in the business, but she's kind of been our constant through the fall while both of us are leaving to have babies and that sort of thing. I think Um, it's really eye-opening for us. What, what tasks could be passed off? Um, You know, like not many people know this, but I am the fulfillment center. So I ship and handle all of the bags. I ship them, you know, and that's, it's, as you grow, obviously we're getting more shipments and I don't have as much time when my child is napping. That's when I've been packaging and, you know, I have a little help to come in, but um, you're also like, is this the most efficient way of spending the little time that I do have? Um, So I think it's kind of, I don't know, allowing for a lot of clarity with both of us is growing and having babies is what is the most important thing for us to be doing with our time and how are we going to be able to delegate that, to other people and higher on moving forward.
0: Before we get into our rapid fire, I would love to know what can listeners look forward to from the brand and what are you most excited about for 2022?
2: Well, we literally just had a call yesterday or the day before. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. so excited about some beautiful new spring things coming up. Um, We are going to be playing with some new textures and kind of stepping outside of just our leather foundational core pieces. So um, we're really excited about that, to use some natural materials that we love in that time of year. Um, But, I mean, we're we're so thrilled to just get to do more designs. Like, I mean, Margaret and I, every time we go to start something, we're like, it just – it's – the most humbling thing in the whole world that like we're uh, able to still do this. <laughs> like, we're like, people are still liking this. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it's just, and it's a really exciting time. We just had our fall winter um, drop and it was just the most successful Gorgeous. drop I've ever had. Gorgeous. And it was, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, was, was. it was just, I mean, it was just kind of a mind blowing day and, you know, Margaret was, had a newborn at home and we're like sitting there on the phone. And it's just all these different dynamics within our company are just changing. You know, it's in our personal lives that's bleeding into, um, you know, how we run our business and how we think about things. And I love that. Um, and like I said, I mean, I feel like we've been, you know, preaching like the same things over and over again about being nimble and being humbled and like all these things. But Um, we're, we're just kind of like settling into our positions as brand owners, I guess. And, you know, as co-founders of what type of leaders we want to be, what type of brand we want to build. And like, it's just been a really big growth year for us. And, um, I think it's going to continue to be that way as we keep, continue to grow our families one more time this year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it been an exciting time for us personally, which I think is really pushing us and motivating us um, within
0: the brand too. And I'm sure it keeps you so inspired uh, with, with all the life updates as well. Oh, Absolutely. Definitely. More Good. motivated than
1: ever. That, yeah. and it, does, it does help <laughs> us like, okay, now that we have children, what's, what's something that we can design that's even more functional? You know, like we, it kind of helps lead where we are in our life, our personal lives kind of helps lead some design aspects as well. So it's been, um, I don't know. Lots of things to
0: come. It. Well, we're excited to keep up. And with that, we can jump right into the rapid fire. So I say this to every guest. Um, now, obviously, because you're a duo, feel free if you know one person wants to take it, if you both want to answer it, totally fine. And you can answer it as business owners or even in your past careers, like within marketing. Um, So with that said, question number one is, when was a time either professionally or personally that you realized the right thing and the hard thing were the same? Marge, I'll take this one. Um, I think,
2: I mean, my immediate thought on that one is, I mean, I said earlier that it was an easy decision in the grander scheme of things it was. Um, But, you know, leaving my job just immediately to start Jay Lowry was a a pretty big one. And I could definitely see how it was a, it was a hard decision. The business I worked for had been great um, to me, but yes, that was the hard thing to do. I mean, to leave a stable job, I had just moved to a new city and I mean, i had only had a year, just shy of like a year and a half at that company. Um, And I really felt like, you know, I'd built a good presence there and I was doing some good work that I really loved. But, you know, at my core, I knew the right thing to do was to take this leap. Um, You know, you look at all of the factors, you look at where you are in your life, you look at the support system you have and everything had just aligned for, this to absolutely be like the window that I stepped through. Um, so, you know, I always say, I'm like, it took me all of five seconds and it did. I was like, yes, okay. Okay. But now, now we'll deal with the hard thing because I know this is the right thing. <laughs> you know, that part was quick. Um, that's a perfect answer. I, I definitely yeah. think, I mean, that that's my initial thought on that is, I mean, that was definitely the hard decision to make, to leave, you know, a steady job, um, yeah. with, you know, I had a support system there and, Um, with a team and friends and coworkers that were friends and um, but to leave that but it was it was definitely the right thing and it's proving to be that more and more
0: the further we get. I love that that's perfect yeah a leap of faith and Mm -hmm. it was it was definitely the perfect thing for you guys and then what is the one thing about wealth management and or business that few people know but you wish everyone knew?
1: Um, I'll kind of
0: lean into this more
1: I mean it can't can be wealth management too, but more of business. Um, I mean when I first started working or you know it's just really intimidating applying for jobs and you know working for bigger companies but um, I think the main thing I would tell someone is like nobody has it all figured out even like huge corporations like things are always changing and constantly evolving and everyone has to shift gears and implement new policies and all these things like everything is trial and error and it's and you know no one has it figured out. Um, I think that's the main thing. Um, And it takes the intimidation out of it. I think I worked for a small business and um, was able to see, um, you know, every aspect of the business, finance, you know, operations, everything. And they were just constantly implementing things. If it worked, keep it, keep doing it. If it doesn't take it out. So just no one has it all figured out, I think is the main thing I would say.
0: No, that is really, I, I, when I say, we've talked about giving ourselves grace and that is probably what I think about the moments I cry most. It's feeling the pressure that I need to have it all figured out or know everything already. And it's always any piece of information we've ever learned. Like there was always a first time we had to hear it. So that's a beautiful reminder. And, and Jamie, I'm sorry. It sounded like you wanted to add to that.
2: Well, um, Margaret just made me think of one that kind of goes off of of what she said, and I feel like this is this goes more to someone that might be within a current job or within. But I don't feel like you can't go to your upper superiors with things. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, and it's it's exactly what you said when you're com especially when you're coming into a new place, and it feels like you know, especially if you're coming in somewhere that has, you know, these coworkers have been working together for a long time and they have relationships and things, you feel like you can't go to your superiors about certain things. Um, I feel like that was, you know, I was just talking about my previous position before I left, um, left to go start Jay Lowry. And, um, I really feel like they did a good job with me specifically building a culture where I felt like I could go and talk to them about things and saying, hey, like I'm at my bandwidth on this and like I, I can't possibly do this anymore. So I'm going to have to, you know, put this aside. I've got to rework my calendar. I had never had that before, like I, in any of my other jobs before that. I always just felt like I would have to like, you know, you, you're burning the midnight oil and you're still but you're everything else is falling off, too. And so you're just not really doing well at anything because you're not being honest. Um, and I, I think that is that just kind of popped into my mind as something that I feel like I've learned. And I wish I was like, OK, I wish I would have done that at every other job because oh. most of them, they want the best work out of you and they want you to be happy and Um, So, I mean, if you're being honest with them, then it's only going to benefit both of you.
0: Oh, I can't, Jamie. Like, there was a job that – and it's interesting. I was just talking with this manager this week, catching up, and at that job on paper – killing it. But the one piece of advice or feedback I kept getting every performance review was learn to manage up, like speak up. And for many, many, many reasons from, you know, being a woman or being young or all these things, um, we feel like sometimes we can't speak up or we're going to be penalized if we do. And not to say that there aren't situations where that happens, um, because I know there are, but there's also often space for you to raise your hand and have open communication. And I think that is perfect. And for a year straight, he kept being like, manage up, you got it. You can't because sometimes you don't know other things that I'm shielding you from. And then I'm off trying to be a superhero and then maybe causing more of a mess behind the scenes. So I think that right. was brilliant advice, actually. Um could have used that. In yeah, right? I know. I think it, it comes to, it's exactly
2: what you're saying. I think now that we are business owners, we get to see it in, you know, on the flip side right, and right. Y- you never know what's going on and they have, you know, so much on their plate. So like, it's not, it, it's the end of the world to you to go approach them. But to them, that is, I mean, like take away like that very small thing. It's a part of their day that they might find refreshing to have feedback or have, you know, be able to have a conversation that's not about something that, you know, like we know can seem like just the end of the world or, you exactly. know, all this, like all the problems that you have on your plate or all the things you have to deal with.
0: See, perfect. And then the final question um, is this, complete this sentence, the best way to handle a toxic work environment is to blank. Um, I would say to control what
1: you can control and plan your exit strategy I guess I've been in a situation where I've been in a very toxic work environment where the most the weirdest and rudest comments have been made and I'm I'm not like tooting my own horn but I if I was more sensitive I it would not have been good and I, luck I luckily had a supportive husband who where I could get out of that situation. I know not everyone has that luxury. Um but if you do, if you can control what you can control and that being your exit plan, you know there would be a light at the end of the tunnel and an end to what something that someone should never have to subject themselves to. Um that there's an end. I think um that's the main thing. It's, you know,
0: that's perfect.
1: Very unfortunate, mm-hmm. but yes. it happens a lot.
0: So Absolutely. Oh, I love that.
1: What about
2: you, Control what you can control is a Jay Lowry mantra. uh, Yes. We say it it all (laughs) the time. And um, I mean, it's easy. Obviously, your immediate reaction to that question is get out. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we obviously are aware that, you know, not everyone has, like Margaret said, like that luxury of just, you know waiting in between in that limbo period mm-hmm. where you're not getting paid and like you're waiting for something yeah. else like not everyone can yep. have that so it's not always that black and white but in the meantime all you can control is you and yes. um you, you can't change people always but you can control the way that
0: you respond i love that yeah it's like the serenity prayer that oh <laughs> Lord knows I got to call on that some days. <laughs> but yeah. um, with that, ladies, thank you so much for such a beautiful, honest and vulnerable conversation. It's been so much fun. I'm sure listeners are now obsessed with you and now want to know where they can keep up with you on social media. So where can everyone check out the line and keep up with everything going on?
2: Well, yeah, like I said, we just dropped our um, fall winter collection. So we'd love to see all of you um, for Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but our website is Um And our Instagram handle, if you want to follow along with us and be most up to date is probably there. And that is also um, at shopjlowery. So we would love to stay in touch mm-hmm. with you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, ladies, both so much, and I will uh, see all of you next week.